taking a look outside, uh, mostly cloudy. We've seen some precip. Uh, as we said, though, it's probably going to stay in the liquid form, which, again, is preferable uh, this time of year as we turn things over to uh, Merle Kelch joining us live in the studio this week. Uh, Merle, good Saturday morning. You uh, it, we got, we got Something that happened here this morning, usually I'm the one who's sending you an article and saying, hey, I, I checked this out this week. Do you think this is interesting? You actually sent me an article to read. Yeah. You actually... You gave me homework about 35, 40 minutes ago. Yeah. How did it go? Uh, I I think I passed. Were the words too big? They were very big. There was a lot of numbers, <laughs> and yeah, it, it got confusing. Uh, but, of course, uh, first off, before we get into that, uh, we've got time for your phone calls, as always, at 715-845-2155. Uh, if you got a question for Merle, go ahead and give us a call. But uh, the, the story in question here. Uh, regards the expectations for 2024, and, and as I'm looking mm-hmm. uh, this article over, Merle, before we turn it over to you, I'm hearing a lot of the same things and reading a lot of the same things that you and I have been talking about for the last, uh, I don't know, about maybe two and a half, yeah, yeah. three months or so, yeah, yeah. which is, hey, things are all right. Things are looking good. You really shouldn't be running around like your hair's on fire. Oh, and by the way, we might have a recession next year. We might not. But, hey, either way, everybody's uh, – most people, I should say, are still employed, and, and we've still got a few bucks to spend. You know, folks, we, we I, I talked about this so many times in this program. Um, I wish that we would have a program of the spots between the time we're not on air because I think that's, that's some of the coolest stuff. And this goes way back to when we started this thing some 20-some years ago because it's some of the coolest stuff. And so – one of the things I've been having a conversation with, with my colleagues, certainly Mike, you and I, within clients and so forth, is to, to kind of get summed up in this article by Isabel Wang. And the article, folks, is is what the stock market's biggest bull expects in 24, and that's a gentleman by the name of Mr. Lee. Uh, Fundstrats Lee reveals the highest S&P 500 forecast on Wall Street is the name of the article. And I want to put this in there because it pops in a couple of things that we've talked about in multiple articles, multiple conversations. And so... I'll summarize it here in this sense, that there's this big nebulous thing called uh, uh, an economy that we have. And this big nebulous thing, um, if you take all the political crap out of it, and yes, I actually did say it that way, from both sides of the the aisle, I got to tell you, you know, both sides of the aisle, is if anything good happens, they're going to sensationalize it. Anything bad, they're going to blame it on the other people. It doesn't matter. Take all Mm -hmm. that stuff out. If we look at the pure math of it, and we look at this pure math over the, say, the last 30 or 40 years is a different picture than what we see right now. And I've been a, a, a long, well, long, it's been the last few years. Um, but I've been a, a thought of saying that if we use a, a gross domestic product as a baseline, we shut it off for the pandemic. We shut an economy off. Mm-hmm. We turned it back on again. And to think that all these, you know, talking heads and economists know exactly what's going to happen when we turn the economy back on, they're wrong. Why? Because we've never done it before. So it's a whole new world. So, so that said, then I said, if we use that, that gross domestic product as a baseline, we shut everything off. We took up, we had all these, you know, people coming back to work. Were we growing the economy? I, I don't know. I don't think so. I mm-hmm. think we were getting all the pipelines filled back up again. We were getting production back to normal. We we're getting all the widget machines built to continue to further stuff. So we, we shot way past the GDP and the GDP went through the roof. Jobs went through the roof. Of course, inflation went through the roof because all the cash it was floating around out there. Um, and, and now are we coming back to a recession? Or are we coming back to the mean? 
Are we regressing back to the mean? So I've talked about it in this program a number of different times. Mm-hmm. And so in there also then is interest rate, and which is where this article starts talking about it. And so inside of here, uh, Lee's talking about his projection next year for the S&P 500 is a 14% gain from where we are now. And that's a pretty tall order. But then we start looking at the, the things, uh, you know, the, the stuff around it. Right now we've got $6 trillion, yes, with a T, trillion dollars of money inside of money market funds waiting to go someplace. So whether that's going to go inside of the stock market or the bond marketplace, either way, it's going to cause an effect because that's a lot of money. You know, so that's a lot of money sitting inside of cash, and it's going to go someplace. And right now, a lot of that money is parked inside of money market accounts and CDs. Why? Because the interest rates are so high right now that those interest rates are going to come down. To what degree? We don't know. So inside of this article, they talk about folks, you know, you know where mortgage interest rates are. You know, it's pent up. They see the interest rates coming down. Um, and then since 1937, when treasury yields on a 10-year treasury have been between 4 and 5%, the S&P 500 um, is typically about 18% forward earnings, 65% of the time. That means growth, by the way, folks. It means it's going up. Right. Yeah, we look at $6 trillion sitting inside of cash waiting to come back in again. And where do interest rates come back down? And I think that's where some of the bullishness comes in. People think that the interest rates are going to come down further than they were. I'd mentioned earlier, folks, if you look at this in a 40 or 50 year time frame, the abnormality in interest rates, we just finished. It was the last 15 years with interest rates being near zero. That's the mm-hmm. that's the the abnormality. The normality is four to five percent where we are right now. So maybe as a result of reducing inflation, the Federal Reserve has actually brought us back to some normalcy. And maybe by dropping interest rate, by the way, the forecast is 1.24 by the second half of next year, according to this article. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe dropping that interest rate a little bit comes down and gives us a little bit of a bump, but also now allows us to have interest rates high enough that we have some normalcy once again versus the abnormality of near 0% interest rates, which doesn't really do us well over a long period of time. And you shouldn't count on happening again yeah. for... Well, maybe, we hope ever in yeah, maybe your lifetime ho- or mine. Probably not in either one of ours, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the whole idea about this article is um, Lee is saying, um, and by the way, he predicted this year's gain in the marketplace. Um, uh, so in here, his summarizing this article, which, by the way, is fantastic if you're looking uh, for a good article to read, folks. Um, he's talking about the stock market going up next year. In fact, he uses the S&P 500 uh, going up to 5,200 or roughly 14% from where it is right now. And largely because there's all this cash, um, mm-hmm. interest rates are going to go down in the banks in the CD marketplace, and that cash is going to look for some place to go. So as a result of that, it's going to probably go into the marketplace, either inside of the bond or the stock marketplace, but it's going to have a dramatic effect in either one of those. And as he points out, interest rates um, are kind of normal, not abnormal, as they have been. And so with that, Businesses look around and say, you know, uh, 4% or 5%, we can make a go of that. That's fine. We can still buy our widget machines and make the economy go. The economy's not falling apart as expectations would have. In fact, I was looking at some stuff with um, uh, Brian Westbury and First Trust and looking at their data on almost every measure, folks, with exception of box offices, and I think there's a a mix in the box offices, Mm -hmm. we are back at where we were in 2019. We are essentially at 2019 in almost every economic measure right now. Uh, box offices are a little bit off, but I don't know inside of their box offices if they're factoring in Netflix, Disney, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Um, I would imagine someplace they're they're accounting for that, um, but I don't know that 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 metric very much. But almost everything we're we're back to where we were in 2019. We are essentially at 2019. Uh, the blip and the drop of the pandemic is over. 
Um, so now from here, I think we go forward. And that's the measure we don't know because we haven't done this before. Um, and a fantastic article in that sense because um, it, it, it gives us a compelling thing, as I talked about before. We regress to a mean, which means we're now with the mean. So are we, do we go from a recession to here or do we go from growth from here? I've seen more and more article folks that as we put a little bit more time to this, as we have throughout the course this past year, there's not saying that we're going to see a recession and maybe this fabled soft landing has actually happened or is happening right now. Only time will tell. So when you're looking at all of this, then uh, all of that data that you just threw out there, yeah. taking into account, you know, everybody, your individual situation, Right now, what I'm hearing is now is not the time to go and do anything just overly irrational. Don't go and move money around from one sector to another. Don't go and sink all of your money into AI stocks. Well, maybe you've done that already, and if you have, great. If not, well, then maybe there's another discussion to be had. But but right now, not the time to do anything just overly irrational. I think you're hitting on the head. It's not the time for knee-jerk reaction one way or the other. There it is, knee-jerk and, reaction. And, um, <laughs> um, and, and you're right by that. I don't think there's any place. Now, chat with your financial professional because there's a few other things that have popped out. And this is just an article. I'm going to pop this one up quickly. Do we have time or do we have to take a break? Uh, actually, we've got a phone call. Okay, let's so, take care of it. Yeah, let's, let's go to that right now. Maybe, maybe the caller on the line wants advice about a potential knee-jerk reaction. 715-845-2155 is the number to call. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Uh, this is Paul from Warsaw. Morning, Paul. How are you? Oh, so far so good. I guess I need another cup of coffee, but uh, otherwise. <laughs> I, I don't. Every time I drink one, I have to go to the bathroom and it's three more. Me too. That comes <laughs> with age, you know. Well, I'm not please 29 anymore. Giving, <laughs> please stop giving me things to look forward to here, people. Right. <laughs> Say, Merle, I have an easy question, I hope. Yeah. I was thinking about adding a mutual fund to a taxable account. Is there any benefit to buying the ETF with that for the long run? Would that be better for me to buy the ETF? I, I don't have a problem buying a, a, an exchange traded fund. I mean, that's what ETF stands for, of course. Um, I right. always just warn people to know what's inside of it um, because there are so many ETFs right now you can buy an ETF that you have no idea what it is. If you can explain and read it and know what's on the inside, I don't have a problem with an ETF. Um, well, they this can mutual have... fund has an ETF, yeah. and that's what's inside it. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I don't have a problem as long as you know what's inside of the fund. Um, that's the important thing. So I think whether you buy XYZ mutual fund directly or you buy XYZ ETF, um, uh, you're going to have relatively similar returns, but make sure you know what's inside of the ETF. Are there any benefits to buying the ETF? Well, the expense is a lot less, but you're also on your own. So your own advisor, you are your own advisor. Now, I heard there might be a tax advantage, though. Eventually, you're going to pay the taxes regardless. It just depends upon when. What do you mean by that? Well, a mutual fund directly, you're going to have the um, exchanges as the year goes on. They're buying and selling those stocks and funds within the fund, and you're going to get a capital gain distribution as it goes through. Again, right. depending upon the ETF, um, that may not be the case throughout the course of the year, but when you sell that mutual fund at some point in time, you'll still have the capital gain, but you're just going to have it then versus um, on an ongoing basis. So on the short run, your taxes would be less with the ETF? I'm going to say can be. 
because there's always a, a, a difference inside of that marketplace. So you don't see a big benefit then in buying the ETF from a tax standpoint? I don't think so from a tax standpoint. Uh, from an expense standpoint, it can be. What does that mean? Well, most mutual funds are, say, between, uh, and, and I'm, I'm rounding here, uh, from a total expense fee in a mutual fund, you're looking at, say, 0.6, maybe 1.4, 1.5%. Internally, right. we don't see that expense in a bill. Um, we see it internally inside of a mutual fund. Now, it depends upon the complexity of the mutual fund. Simple mutual funds, say 0.6%. Uh, more complex ones, 1.4, 1.5%. Inside right. of an ETF, those expenses can drop down to you know, 0.4 uh, to uh, 0.8. So you're losing roughly uh, 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 three-quarters uh, to sometimes 1% as far as internal expenses and fees. So it can help that. Now, the difficulty in here is there's not a lot of people that go through and just buy their own ETF. A lot of times people will buy them in a form of a managed brokerage account, and a lot of times those managed brokerage accounts have a 1% annual fee, and then you're buying the ETF at 0.4, and guess what? You're in the same neighborhood anyway. Um, so unless a person's buying them on their own without the use of a financial professional, uh, a lot of times there's not really an expense or a fee that's saved. Oh, well, otherwise you could save a few bucks on the expenses. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Okie doke. I'm not sure Thanks if that for... helped, but at least you got more information for more questions. Yeah, I'm not. A, I haven't studied ETFs at all, so yeah, it's I'm just not a, an expert. Yep, it's just another tool. Okay, thanks, Merle. You're welcome, Paul. And again, 715-845-2155 is the number to call if you've got a question for Merle. We will get to those next here on WSAU. It is 825 on this Saturday morning on AM 550 FM 99.9 WSAU. Online at WSAU.com as well as we are making financial sense with Merle Kelch. Merle joining us live in studio this week. Uh, Merle, we were talking uh, earlier about forecasts for 2024. You asked me what my forecast for 2024 was. It was a bet. uh, Yeah, I I naturally (laughs) said Minnesota United is going to make it back to the MLS Cup playoffs, but then I realized that's not the forecast that you were were asking for. Um, But... Nonetheless, uh, the, uh, it's kind of what we were talking about in the first segment to be, uh, before our caller was the outlook for 2024. And right now, it seems that more and more people are saying things are just going to be boring. Well, at least as boring as they can be well, in the markets. I don't think it's going to be dramatic. So, again, just to kind of bring everybody back up to speed or listening. So, uh, an article by Elizabeth Wang, it, which is uh, the stock market's biggest bulls forecast in 2024 or what the stock market's biggest bulls forecast in 2024 uh, fund strats lee reveals the highest s&p 500 forecast on wall street and so he's forecasting roughly a 14 percent growth rate for next year inside of the stock and the s&p 500 and part of the stuff that the reason that he's saying that is a couple of different things is that one um, it appears as though we're having an averaging out um, of the rates of returns of the marketplace in a sense that Interest rates have come to a place that they're somewhat normal um, as if they look at where they've been over the course of the last number of years. Um, again, not abnormal um, as we interjected um, as the 0% that we have for the some 15 years or so, um, which are not um, the normalcy. So he sees the growth of the S&P 500 um, when the uh, 10-year treasury is between 4 and 5% is about 18 times forward earnings. 
um, about 65% of the time, which means, of course, the market's growing. He puts those multiples in. So he's saying about a 14% growth rate. And so when we started actually talking, folks, um, about then um, what happens with the, um, uh, the economy and the growth rates, um, normalcy, we don't know what that is because this is coming back from a pandemic. Uh, the pandemic, as far as every measure goes, we're back from where we were in 2019. So now we look at it and say, what's going to happen? So are the widgets then, um, uh, machines going to be purchased and bought? Well, if the interest rates come down, probably. Now, also, folks in here, and this goes to a second article where we did before when uh, Paul gave us a call, is that when interest rates go down, the value of bonds go up. So there's some $6 trillion sitting out there inside of cash uh, from this past article um, that are waiting to go someplace and go somewhere. So the projection would be is that if interest rates come down a little bit, that money's going to go one or two places. Because if people are looking at it saying, I'm earning 5%, well, now I'm going to earn 3 I'm making up this number, folks. Um, where do I put it? Well, we got to go for someplace that has a higher rate of return or better rate of return. So Mark Holbert has an article that says, how realistic are your stock forecasts? And I apologize, I got the wrong article. Uh, here's the right article um, by Vivian Lu Chen. What investors can expect in 2024 um, after a two-year battle with the bond marketplace? And so as we were chatting about, um, when interest rates go up, value of bonds come down, and interest rates have come to this normalcy now. Um, and so we're talking inside of this article. In fact, I actually circled it so I wouldn't. I was able to find it quickly, and now I have to go into there to find it quickly, and it's <laughs> taking me more time to find it quickly than it was if I just read the article again. Um, but essentially in here, um, oh, I'm losing stuff all over the place. I don't know my name. Well, and I completely lost it all. So anyway, <laughs> we'll just go from here in the article. Sure. So essentially what's happening here, folks, is that the interest rates, if they come down, we're going to see those bond prices come back up again. And uh, the floating of those cash going to different places. Inside of the article, they talk about how now we're starting to see yields coming up inside of the bond marketplace, the municipal bond marketplace which may make it look good for us as far as a place to invest. And so that's the, the, the crux or the backbone of the article by Vivian Luchen, which magically popped back up again on my iPad. <laughs> Maybe it's a time for a new iPad. <laughs> it might be. It might be. <laughs> it might be. So part of this is past week. I look regularly, folks, for our clients. I take a look at and saying, where are we for a bond marketplace? Where are we from a municipal bond marketplace? Does it make sense for us to start looking at investments? And so it's part of what I do as an investment professional for my clients, what I do is say, is it time for us? Um, and it's interesting that they popped this article because I noticed the same thing this week myself. Uh, it looks like bond places or bonds are actually now um, coming into a point where we can buy them. So there's almost always a spread over what you would find for a riskless investment, let's say from a 10-year treasury or a CD rate, which is a little bit more. And what you find inside of the corporate bond rates, we've not seen that for a while. And it looks like it's now here. So it may be a little bit over what you're finding inside of CD rates, but it's already progressed or um, 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 proposed that interest rates will come down next year. If we look at the banks, the banks always think, already think that's way. Because if you buy a five-year seat or a five percent CD today, it's usually for eleven months or twelve months. So the banks think interest rates are coming down. Uh, the mortgage interest rates or the mortgage lenders are projecting interest rates coming down. So again, remember, interest rates go down, value of bonds go up. So if interest rates drop, you have the ability to look at a bond portfolio now, you're locking in potentially a higher rate of return. And at the same time, interest rates go down, you might get some capital appreciation. So again, the $6 trillion might be going both in a stock and bond marketplace. And it might be a good time. Again, talk to your financial professional 
I'm not telling you to run out and do this. If you're listening, talk to your financial professional. But it may be a good time for us to start looking at doing laddered bond portfolios once again if you want to use the bonds for an income stream. Now, I was finding corporate bonds that were out there, good quality corporate bonds, folks, not the junk bonds. Um, and we were finding them pretty pretty easily in the, the 5 to 5.5% uh, range as far as an interest rate or coupon or yield of maturity goes. So we are finding them all over the place. They're good quality companies. Um, and I probably only looked at 200 companies. That was it. Okay, that's a joke. That's a lot. There's a ton of them out there. So then I went into the municipal marketplace, which I'm a huge fan of municipal bonds, folks. Um, we just haven't been able to buy them for a long time at a reasonable price. And I was finding municipal bonds anywhere from the, the upper threes uh, to the lower fives for good quality stuff on a municipal bond or tax-free rate. Yes, that's tax-free. I think about it, if you can earn 4% tax-free, it's like earning six to six and a half, depending upon your tax bracket. And those were insured for interest and principal. So they're out there. Talk to your financial professional. Obviously, I didn't give any names um, of any companies, which we can't do. But it looks like the bond portfolios are back for those who know how to construct them. 715-845-2155 is the number to call. If you've got a question for Merle, we'll have more Making Financial Sense after this on WSAU. Well, I'm, it, yeah, that's the kind of morning it's been here. This show always goes too fast. Yeah, it really, <laughs> it really always, does. It really always, does. Always As fast. I like to say, it is the best part of my broadcast week because, again, I get to do live radio. <laughs> oh, thank you. Again, uh, which is what I got into this business to do in the first place. I got, I, I got two articles I want to share, by the way. I, want to come, I didn't mean to cut you off, by the way. No worries. No worries. So um, Brian Westbury from First Trust um, it pops out, in a, I read his article this morning. He always puts it out every Monday. Um, in his past Monday's article, he, he put something in there that, I knew, and I've known, but it just registered me like, oh, yeah. And so he talks about, um, they talk about deflation. And he said, we're really not having uh, disinflation or inflation. He said, we're just simply having a lack of a sell acceleration of inflation. Mm -hmm. And he's put inside of the article, and he kind of reminds me, and, and, and his article in here is that um, there's a number of people saying that, uh, of course, and it's political, says that, you know, housing prices are falling. And he just points out that, well, no, new housing prices are falling. Mm -hmm. um, but that only accounts for less than one half a percent of all real estate transactions occurs. The rest of it are still having inflation of between 3 and 6%, depending upon where you're going inside of real estate. So Sale of existing housing stock. Exactly. Or, or other real estate, commercial buildings, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so his whole thing was that, um, um, you know, don't look at this, it's not right. He said, use the Case-Shiller Index. It's a much better index of what's happening than what they're saying. So without getting inside of that, the one part he said, he said, you know, we're not having disinflation. That's not what's happening. What's happening is that prices are still going up. They're just going up at a rate that we now expect versus when we we're at 9%, it's coming down to the 3% range. He said, so we still have inflation. It's just coming down as far as the amount of inflation that we have. And I thought to myself, like, oh, yeah, I knew that part. <laughs> because rather than people thinking the prices are coming down, they're not. They're just going up slower. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? I just, Absolutely. I just want to put that in our head. Absolutely. And, you, you know, you hear people talking about this all the time. Well, the inflation is not going down because the whatever item it is at the grocery store that used to cost me, you know, $2 is not back down to $2 yet. Maybe I'm still paying two seventy five for it, and I've got that much more money coming out every week because this happens to be an item that I yeah, need. Yeah. We don't, we aren't seeing that right now. And and we may not, we may not is right. Um, certain things, of course, we see fuel right now, <clears throat> fuel prices coming down. Mm -hmm. um, and, and uh, that's because OPEC 
you know, they have a leak in all their members. Some members say, okay, we agree to it. Then they sell a whole bunch of stuff out of the back door and goes to the marketplace. Um, but um, at large, you know, I, I don't see that our grocery bills are going to go down. It's just going to go up slower. Mm-hmm. And that's the important thing to uh, to note about that. Anyway, um, the other, other article that I popped up I thought was interesting is um, through the Associated Press, the name of the article says Europe reaches a deal on the first comprehensive AI rules, of course, artificial intelligence. And I, I bring this article up and they, they talk about, you know, what they did and they fought back and forth and they came up with some ideas they're going to create a, um, in their, in their terms, a civil society groups um, based upon political, I'm sorry, uh, artificial intelligence and a framework we get through. I have a whole bunch of clients over the course of the last month, month and a half folks that are asking questions like, well, artificial intelligence scares me. I said, well, it kind of scares me too. I said, tell me what movie reference you're thinking about. <laughs> All of them. The Terminator. Because I remember that that movie. Folks, I, I don't know that we see the Terminator coming, at least at this point in time. Um, um, but I think maybe iRobot's a better idea. You know, <laughs> So we have a whole bunch of artificial intelligence that helps us. And there might be a couple of bad ones that are out there that have to get fixed. But remember, iRobot's a better idea. We yeah. already have iRobot's. We do. We do. Some yeah. of you may have them in your house right now. They are the vacuums. They're brand yeah, iRobot. Yeah. It's already yeah. there. Or the, the lawn care systems that mow your grass. Mm-hmm. Same thing out there. And, and so then we'll go through and, and tell the clients. And, and I'm saying this for everybody to uh, to understand. Could there could there be some bad actors? Sure. Will there be? Probably. Um, but, you know, artificial intelligence has been around for a long time. If you've ever played a video game, um, Atari was probably one of the most basic versions of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you've played any of them, like my son, he's playing Call of Duty and all these sort of things now. That's all artificial intelligence. Oddly enough, most of the programming and chips were all NVIDIA um, at that point. Um, but the other part of that is if you've ever picked up your phone and you said, hey, Siri, um, you know, that's artificial intelligence. Or if you, And, I, of course, my phone is now beeping, waiting to do something here. <laughs> um, or if you said, ever said, uh, Alexa, play Garth Brooks Radio. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We probably, you guys probably have to give them some money because I said that now, probably. But <laughs> uh, maybe your phone, your radio is starting to do that now. But that's all part of artificial intelligence. And so that is um, part of it. And it's going that direction. So um, when it becomes self learning, which is some of the stuff that's happening now, that's where I think some of the dangers come in. And I think it makes sense for the U.S. and other countries to have some safeguards into uh, that type of stuff. So um, I think. Uh, um, there's good to come out of it, but certainly there's going to be some bad that pops up. But again, not Terminator, iRobot. Watch iRobot. Better plan. And and to just recap one thing that we had talked about last week, a lot of people saying, well, we need to invest in artificial intelligence because it's the next big sector of the economy that's going to take off, like dot .com, the uh, dot .com bubble of uh, – about 20, 30 years ago now, of course, there was the uh, there's some people say maybe the craft beer bubble has burst a little bit because there's some breweries that are closing. They haven't figured it out. Uh, you said if you have a 401k, you are already in AI because mm-hmm. the 401k provider might already be investing in some of these technologies. I would be certain it's the case. In fact, if you take a look at your 401k, your investment portfolio, if you're seeing rates of returns this year that are 20%, 30%, and yes, they are out there. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying portfolios, but there are some funds that are doing that sort of stuff. Um, I assure you that it has artificial intelligence built into it because that artificial intelligence, those stocks that are in that forefront have jumped like crazy um, because of their development of what they're doing. 
715-845-2155 is the number to call. Good morning. You're making financial sense with Merle Kelch. Who are we talking to today? Uh, this is Tom. Morning, Tom. Hey. First off, thanks for giving up your Saturdays. I uh, really liked your show. Appreciate that. Yes. Th- you're welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I heard you talking to Paul about knowing what's in his ETF. Are you familiar with uh, JEPI and JEPQ? Um, I guess it's uh, they do derivatives okay. and offer a, a large uh, interest. I don't know, ungodly eleven, twelve, fourteen percent. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, not from, I'm not. I'm not familiar. I'm not familiar with those ETFs, but um, okay. that's what they're paying for a yield or an interest on them. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, like, um, I I can always come back to and say, you know, why is it that they're paying such a high interest rate? Um, is it because they're smarter than everybody else on Wall Street inside of the world, um, or are they taking some extra risk? And so that's well, always that's my, my, that'll be my first question to look at. Um, I don't have any familiarity to say if it's good or bad. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, that's my contention. I'm smarter than everybody on Wall Street. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Not going well. <laughs> so, so that's that's always my contention on it. And, you know, um, I'll I'll talk with clients, and, and I'm picking on one client. He's probably listening. He's know I'm gonna. He knows I'm picking on him right now. So he always wants to come in. He says, "Look, I'm going to buy this stock because it's paying a 12 percent dividend." And so my first question said, "Well, why is it paying a 12 percent dividend?" So we'll pull up the financials and say, well, it's because the company's going broke. They need the money. Um, and so we can say the same thing inside of bonds. You know, uh, many people don't know it, but you can actually buy a bond that's going to pay you a 10 or 15% interest rate. You can actually buy bonds. But the company's probably already broke, uh, but they need the money. So so with it, when I see this, especially if they have derivatives in it, um, you know, my question is, is how are they doing it? Why are they doing it? Um, and what vehicles are they using to, to do so? And my guess is it's something that's got volatility that's off the charts, is my guess, um, inside of those types of derivatives. And so, Well, um, they're saying uh, covered calls. Well, to me, that, that uh, denotes some kind of safety. They well, actually, on a covered call, you actually own the stock, and uh, you're writing a call on it. Well, if the, the, then it's a stock portfolio that they're doing the covered calls to create some more cash flow. That's good. But what's interesting is I'm familiar with covered calls, um, and I look at the calls that are on the stocks that I own personally, and none of them are giving me a yield of, of 11 or 12%. Okay. So, again, what stocks are they doing to, to do that, and what's the bet? Right. So know that information ahead of time, I guess, Tom, yeah, is the best Jay- thing to do. JPQ uh, is in the tech, and um, they seem to do less. And when the Nasdaq goes up, they do less um, in appreciation. Yeah. So I'm I'm, I'm thinking their their uh, stock is being called away at that point. I don't know. It could okay. be. And again, I'm unfamiliar with this, so I really can't tell you one way or another. Okay. I just wondered. Uh, how close to the edge I was. Um, I think you're you're close. I'd have a parachute. <laughs> thanks, Tom. Appreciate it much. All right. Thank yeah, you. thanks for the call. Again, uh, that's, that's the kind of uh, honest feedback you get here on the show. If uh, Merle doesn't know something, he's going to tell you. 
I just had somebody just sent me a text, and I thought uh, maybe we had a question popping up, but it was something else. <laughs> so it's a it's a, a friend of mine, and I thought he had a question, which he normally does, uh, but he doesn't. It's about something else. I think he forgets that I do stuff on Saturday morning <laughs> called a radio show. So okay, we're good. So yes, yes, um, he's asking about doing a project for Wounded Warriors, which I think is a fantastic project. I know you're not listening, Jeff, but uh, we'll we'll be on whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, your your text message will be responded to in due course. Yeah. So, uh, but but yes, that's that's the uh, that's the, the kind of honest feedback you're going to get here on the show. Again, Merle says I I don't know something about this. I'm not going to pretend like I'm an expert, and of course that's what you you should expect out of your financial advisor. I would guess. Well, yeah. Um, you know, our industry is in the financial professional industry. So many people just try to BS your way through it. Um, mm-hmm. If I don't know it, I'll tell you, but I can certainly know where to find it and we'll get you the information that's needed. Um, even on this program, if there's something somebody absolutely needs to do, we can get you the information, which we've done many times and then mm-hmm. shipped it off to somebody, um, off, obviously off the air. Um, but, I mean, you have to have that uh, honesty in there. And unfortunately, part of just so much stuff that is just a, a mess. There's regulations that are going on right now that are driving me absolutely batty because the regulations come to us. Because we're licensed, but if you're non-licensed, you get to say whatever you want to, and it's driving me nuts in this industry. Okay, so I'll get <laughs> off my soapbox now and stop, you know, uh, stop, uh, you know, talking from the pulpit, I guess. But yeah. But again, seven one five eight four five two one five five is the number to call if you've got a question for Merle. We'll have time for maybe one or two more coming up after this. But first, we've got Chris Conley with this day here on WSAU. 8.52, almost 8.53 here on this Saturday morning on AM 550, FM 99.9 WSAU. Online at WSAU.com. We've got uh, seven minutes left in the program. Merle is actually scrambling right now on his uh, iPad. If you've been with us through the whole show, you know Merle's iPad It may be on its last legs. So <laughs> It's, um, it's, it's going to be used as a shingle pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> so it may, it may soon be replaced or so, if you... Uh, so hopefully his new hard glass is going to hold up the ale. So if you have drawn Merle in uh, Secret Santa, there you go. Your hint is he yeah. needs a new iPad. There you go. Uh, yeah. Merle, what what are, what are we looking at? Uh, looking forward to, I should say, as we kind of uh, wrap up the uh, the yeah. the year almost. I mean, we are in the the uh, last yeah. Uh, yeah. last quarter yeah. of the year. We're in the last month of the last quarter. So uh, everything just kind of wrapping up here, business wise. I want to put an, uh, I want to put a note out here because uh, Philip Van Dorn has got a really nice article on the folks. Again, another one I think is a good one to read. Um, this is part of the thing they call a deep dive where they dig into some pretty good um, research on the inside. But I'll, I'll make it brief, obviously, the same. But uh, these, as it's titled, these are the dividend stocks that will hold up in a weakened economy in 2024, says this highly rated money manager. So in here, um, John Baylor, who is uh, Newton Investments North America, subsidiary of Bank of New York Mellencorp, um, talks about you know dividend-paying stocks and how dividend-paying stocks will, will do pretty well if they have a slowdown inside of the economy. You know, years ago, folks, and just let me regress, people didn't buy a stock because they thought it was going to jump up 20% in a year or 30% a year. They bought it because it paid a dividend. So they'd buy the utility companies, and AT&T used to be the company years and years ago because AT&T would send out that dividend. He always had that dividend. So Rather than going to the banks, which the banks of those days had such low interest rates, you would buy a stock that paid a dividend. So if the stock went up, great, but you got that dividend for the money. And so that's how Mm -hmm. stocks used to be done, you know, going back 75 years ago. Not so much today. But what's interesting is stocks that pay a dividend are still good. And so a lot of times you'll find people when interest rates are low and we're having some sort of a recessionary event, um, they would buy stocks that paid a dividend. Weird. 
stocks to pay a dividend make money. Huh, who knew those companies right. actually produce something? And so that's really where a lot of times you'd have the utilities that would come in. So, so with it, you look around and say, well, where are stocks paying dividends? And so in the start of this article, they have a list of a number of companies that pay some pretty good dividends. And these are names you're all going to know and part of this Magnificent 7 and AI, and they have some dividends to go with them. So are we not doing that? Well, my whole point inside of this article is to know that um, when you look at it, you can find some dividends that are out there for companies paying some good quality dividends. Then um, at the same time might have some appreciation. Now, about six weeks ago, I had a client that said, hey, um, I got some cash that came around from this and that. What do we want to do with it? Um, I can put it in a bank and I can get 5%. On a CD, or um, can we pick up something that's got a dividend? And there's a stock that um, I think has been a great stock for a long time. All they do is make money. They had a problem with a couple of lawsuits that got straightened out. Um, and with it, I said, well, why don't we get that? We got some dividends in there. It's a small dollar money. He said, sure. So we bought it, and it was at 85, and now it's like 110 per share in six weeks. He's like, hey, good pick. I'm like, yeah, well, good job. Enjoy the dividend. You know, so, <laughs> um, so there's deals that are out there. Remember, if things slow down in a recessionary period of time, uh, there are good places that you can find a stock that may grow, but it's going to pay you some dividends along the way. Um, and those dividends you might find uh, are going to hold up a little bit longer than what you're going to find inside of a bank um, if the interest rates do indeed come down. And we see the bank interest rates drop down, of course, in the next 12 months. So knowing that. And so they have a list of different stocks and ideas on the inside of what they think are pretty good. Um, in fact, uh, I'm looking at one right now. I'm sorry, I'm looking at a list of stocks that go from uh, a dividend yield of um, 2.9 percent to 4.25 to 3.49 um, to 3.04 and 3.27 on my list, and what that means is you get that dividend as well as some potential of some stock appreciation as time goes on too. So you get a little bit of both. So a good thing again to consider um, as we uh, move forward to either the soft landing or recession, whatever occurs <laughs> right. uh, throughout 24-25. Yes, and of course uh, in that is not Merle saying, go out and buy this, go out and do this. And that is Merle saying, consider this information. Talk to your financial professional. Talk to your financial professional and then act in what is your own best interest. Well said. And I would, I would say as well, don't go chasing your losses. So, you know, always the case, but that's just a a general gambling term. We had, well, he had, we, it's kind of funny. It's been on a gambling stock. So this gambling stock has been profitable. I see we only got a few minutes left, and I should be able to close this up pretty quickly. Sure. Um, so this gambling stock, uh, one of our clients, he's a likes to gamble with stocks. So we, I think we bought like fifteen hundred dollars first, and then fifteen hundred dollars again. And of course, as we're buying it, all the information we're reading, all the profit statements we're looking at, this gambling stock looks like it's going to be a winner. It's going to be a winner. They're getting the stuff done. So as it kept going down in price, it just kept doubling down, doubling down, doubling down, doubling down. Uh, and now he's up um, like 100% this year for rate of return <laughs> because he's stuck in there and just kept – because our, our financials were good. So um, uh, he was smart by listening to his financial professional. And, Merle, how do folks get a hold of you uh, outside of the show if they've got a question? Folks, you can always stop by and visit us on 3rd Avenue in Bridge Street here in Wausau, Wisconsin. Come on in, kick the tires, say hello and hi. Have a cup of coffee, which will make your hair stand up. That's what it does to me when Kim makes it. Um, you can give us a call locally, 715-849-3600. Outside of the Wassa area at 866-355-5100. Or as always, find us online at kelsonassociates.com.